one of the family. The family. Dogs are a part of it and at the very heart of it. Nikki Campbell explores this wonderful world with the help of special guests and some other family members. Welcome to One of the Family. When a dog or cat dies, it can be a grief like no other. And different people deal with it in different ways. One of my guests is the brilliant broadcaster and journalist, Nihal Athanayaka. Less than 24 hours after we put Luna down, my wife, Isha, just said, I can't be in this house without a dog. And the puppy, Lyra, was there for them. Coming out of a very, very dark, horrible storm that we were in after we lost Luna, she's been a lighthouse for us all. And Gary Lineker talks about how those feelings of grief can really take you by surprise. I'd lost my parents in, in recent times. I felt kind of as upset with losing my dog and I felt they were guilty about that. But should he? Psychologist Joe Hemmings will be answering that question and exploring all those feelings. Before we hear Gary's beautiful story, here's Kirsty Campbell and her friends. You're always with them. Yeah. And, and you're actually... looking after them like you're... Yeah. And they are. Oh. You are their like only source. Exactly. You're their like their life. Yeah. You know? Well, especially with a dog. Not so much yeah. with a cat because they're more independent. A dog is a family member. You know, it's one of the family. Hey. Yeah. hey. <laughs> <laughs> that that was good. <laughs> Coming up, Gary Lineker, Nihal, Joe Hemmings. This is one of the family. Here's the story of Gary and his beautiful yellow lab, Snoop. After my first marriage, I was moving around a little bit, so it wasn't kind of um, a possibility, really. And then I, then I met Danielle, and um, she's a dog person, and I was, you know, new to dog person. So we decided to get um, a, a little puppy, and we got um, we went for a yellow lab, and we went down. Remember, we went down to the south coast to, to pick it up. And uh, it was carsick all the way home and ill. And we thought, oh, that's not a good start. Um, but, um, you know, with consultation with, the, with, the, with all our kids, um, we decided to call it Snoop, as in Snoop Dog, not particularly original. But, um, and he was kind of one of those, he was very inquisitive. So we thought it, it, it was a good fit. So that's about 12 years ago. And, um, and he was great. I mean, he was he's, he's so lovable. So sweet. Difficult when he was a puppy, you know, he used to want to run away all the time. We had to, twice we had to go to the um, RSPCA to pick him up from like, um, where we managed to chip him. But he had this thing where he, he'd dig under the fence and scarf up when he was a puppy. But, and thankfully, eventually grew out of that. The reason that uh, it so resonated with me was because I have a, yeah. a Labrador retriever. And so when I saw, when I saw the pictures of Snoop, yeah, they, they've got that set. You can see the that look. You know all the expressions that they have, and it. Yeah, and the little slight tilt of the head that they like to do a lot, especially when they want to walk or food. But did you used to chuck the ball a lot? Yeah, he loved the ball, and um, he was a brilliant catcher as well. He could leap up and catch it anyway. He loved doing that, and yeah, that was absolutely in fact by the by the end i couldn't throw any more tennis elbows i had to get you know one of those little flicker things which he loved and he bounced and then he, and he never tired of it he'd do it all they just keep going for it keep going for it great much more stamina than i ever had the reflexes 
that they've got. And catching the ball, yeah. like the most brilliant fielder on yeah. the fall. The, and the, the timing of, I mean, it's obviously that can't catch it with their paws. I mean, the timing of catching it with your mouth and hardly ever spilling it. Yeah. It's like, how can you do that? You know, it's like leaping up at this ball flying in the end. Imagine trying. I know. I mean, it's hard enough, isn't it? I mean, we've all tried, you know, catching Maltese in our mouth and we'll get well, like one in five or something, unless you practice a lot. But they just like, you know, some of the balls are quite big and they only just fit in the mouth. It's not like, you'd think they'd rattle against their teeth and bounce out, but no, they're, they're, they're super skillful. That leap in the air, and occasionally I used to record it on my mobile phone when you put it on slow motion. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, hell yeah. They are incredibly athletic. And it's, it's just the... Um, I mean, we call it, don't we, hand-eye cord, what you call it, mouth-eye cord now, I don't know what you call it with a dog, but they, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know about other dogs, but I, and I, sometimes I, I walk into the village here and um, there's always people with dogs and throwing balls, and yeah. Snoop was great at that, and, um, and, he, he, and he loved going out, he loved, he loved it, and it, sometimes... And it didn't matter how many times you'd take him out in a day. And sometimes I get days where at home I might take him out. I used to take him out three or four times. Um, and and it, if you'd already taken him out four times, it's still, you could still, if he, heard, if he ever heard you go, and it might not be the walking, but if he ever heard you go, were, like talking about work or something, and it, as soon as he heard were, it was like the head was just immediate. And then it was like, are you going to say, are you going to say walkies? Is that what you're going to say? Um, and and it's, it's weird the pleasure that gives you when there's little looks though, isn't it? I mean, we do come, I mean, I mean, I, Snoop, I lost Snoop, um, as you know, um, about six months ago. And God, what a bad time to lose him, given the fact that stuck in our own house, houses for, for months on end. I, that's, I missed him more than ever in those periods, because normally, obviously, I'm busy anyway, I'm here and there. But being stuck at home, especially the amount of cooking I do, where he used to just, you know, just be there. More coming up from Gary very soon. It's incredibly raw and honest. More from Kirsty's friends first. And Holly, her cat has just died. One of the family. We had been told that he might be able to live a bit longer. <laughs> and so obviously we all got our hope up. And then that morning, my mum came up and she was like, I, we can't let him carry on in this amount of pain. And the saddest moment is obviously when you know, because when you put an animal down, you know they're going to die, but they don't know that they're going to die. So watching him eat his last meal was just so sad. Yeah. It sounds heartbreaking now. And it's like the loss of a child, my mum said, because obviously that's her. It's really my mum's like special mm. companion. <laughs> I was going to cry. <laughs> You're right. More from Gary Lineker now, and here is Gary talking about his desperately missed, never to be forgotten, sweet friend Snoop. Oh, it was it's weird, really. It was about he's it, 11, just to, just just turned 11, um, which is you know a reasonable age uh, for a lad. But he, he was still he still seeming in, in great health. But then I was I was about to go away um, um, to LA for about 10 days as I do a few times a year and and I thought to me, he'd lost his appetite a little bit and and he looked like he'd lost a bit of weight so I thought before I go away I'll take him to the vet and have a look at and they 
And they said it got a little bit of a temperature, so they thought it probably got some bug. So I thought, well, that's 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 fine. And they said, what do you think? So well, here we'll give him some, you know, give him some pills and stuff, and hopefully he'll be all right in a few days. So fine. So I was going to go away, and then I thought, well, I'll go. Um, and my my cleaner comes; she's wonderful. Comes in three times a week, but um, ever since I became on my own for. I, it was difficult with having a dog because my boys were all doing their stuff and, and my cleaner always has snoot at, at their home. So I went away and she, she texted me a few days and said, he's fine, he's great, he's back to himself, don't worry, he's having a lot of fun with our little dog. I went, great, fantastic. So I got home um, on the Friday, did my show there on the Saturday, and then I got him back on Sunday and he seemed absolutely right as rain. Um, and I thought, oh, he's normal self um, my son Harry was staying here that night um, and I got a knock on my door on Monday morning from my son and he said there's something wrong with Snoop I said what do you mean he said well he's, 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 he's in his own bed and he's there's he's, he's all a mess his own mess I went oh crack hang on I'll get dressed so I got to him and and he was kind of really looking not very well he's you know he's pee and poo in his bed and everything um, so I um, actually, it wasn't a Monday, it was a Tuesday because I was doing Champions League. Um, so I took him to, we took him to the vet, we carried him there. Um, and they said, leave him with us, we'll do a few tests. Um, and then they, they gave us a call and they said, we've seen that there's some internal bleeding. Now that, that can only mean one thing. And I thought, oh no, yeah, it's cancer yet. So they said, yeah. So, well, so where am I with that? He said, well, we can do some ultrasound um, tests um, and see, you know, how bad it is, etc. Um, and we'll do, we can do some lung um, x-rays to see if it's spread around the body. Um, if it has spread to his lungs, there's not much that we'll be able to do at all. But if it's not too bad, sometimes with Labradors in particular, we can have a bit of success by taking out their spleen and we might get, you know, get six months, another year. Um, which is, you know, he's already 11. That would be a decent. I said, okay, let's, let's do that. Um, so then I had to go to work. I was on the way to work. She called me and she said that um, the lungs look clear, she said. So that's, that's a good thing. I said, so what's the next step? She says, well, she says, we can't really tell whether it's spread inside um, to the liver, et cetera, but we can do an operation um, and have a little exploration and then, work out what we do from there so i said she, i said well if it were your dog what would you do good question uh, so so the vet said if it were my dog and i could afford it i would do the operation and then if we find it it's not too bad we'll take the spleen out and i said okay let's do that so she, uh, she said we'll we'll call you when it's done we've got to take him to the surgery etc i said fine I'm fine so now at work about 20 minutes before I got on air um, doing a live game for BT Sport for the Champions League. I get the phone call from, from the vet saying, um, I'm really sorry, um, the, the cancer has spread, it's in his liver, it's in his, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's nothing much we can do. I'm sorry. Oh, so, I'm, so I'm just like speechless really and really upset. And I remember I had to go into makeup, and I went to makeup, and, I'm, and Sal, who's done makeup for years, come, what's wrong? And I'm trying to tell her, and I'm, 
and I, two minutes before I go on air, I'm actually in floods of tears. And I, and I, I remember saying to the vet, I said, well, you know, she, she said, do you want to come and say goodbye? I said, I said, I'm, I'm working. Um, oh God. Yeah. 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 So she said, well, you know, we can keep him comfortable if you, if you, you'd like to come and see him. And she said, and likewise, if your sons, I said, well, I'm sure they would. Um, and, she, and I said, well, I, I don't finish till, I, I won't be able to get there until midnight because it's really late. She said, no, don't worry, we're 24 hours, we'll keep him. Which I said, that's really kind of you. And all my boys went to see him, my cleaner went to see him as well. Um, and I got there about midnight and I was, I was with him when he went. And he, Oh dear! It was brutal. It was brutal. I, I'd hate to be given this horribly sad story, but um, and it was like it got I mean, it got me, and it was I'd lost my parents in in recent times, and and the weird thing was that I felt kind of as upset with losing my dog, and I felt a little bit guilty about that in, in a strange way. But my dog had been an integral part of my life for the last decade. He was always there, always. When you come in, he was whether you've been out for thirty minutes or three hours or three weeks or three minutes, he'd treat you with the same enthusiasm and love. Did you hold him at the end when he when he slipped yeah. away? Yeah, I was holding him. Yeah, and I, I was I was it was upsetting, but I'm getting upset now. But um, it was upsetting, but I was glad I did it because he did go peacefully, and I saw him go peacefully. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. I was speaking to Danielle, my ex, who's obviously spent many years together with, with the dog and, and um, my stepdaughter, Ella, as well. And they're in America now. But um, I was talking to them, she said, please try and be there. She said, because I've read lots of stuff where it actually calms them. And that if, if they're in an environment where there's no one there that they know, they don't necessarily understand it. So you know, even though part of me was thinking, I don't know whether I can, I can do this. Um, but it, it, it was much calm in the same way that I was there. I wasn't, didn't manage to get there when my mother died. I saw her the day before and then just was a little bit too late. I was there when my father died and I found it actually quite, not cathartic, it's probably not quite right, but peaceful. And the, yeah. And yeah. Calm. And it was the same with yeah. the dog. Yeah. yeah, and it's devastating, isn't it? You just it did you hard. cry? How, when did you start crying? I mean, because you go oh, home and you're crying. No, a few days on and off, on and off, mm. a few days. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't mind admitting that. I miss the walks. I miss the walks. I mean, lots of people ask me, but are you going to get another dog?" Well, it's difficult. You've got to be there for them. So, you know, when I was on my own, it was just me and him. Um, obviously, I've got sons and they come, they can help from time to time. And in the midweek, I'm doing Champions League, one of them will come and stay, et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't a problem. Um, but, you know, and, and knowing that if I go on holiday, that, you know, my, my cleaner, they love the dog, they love them. But to start again, yeah, they yeah. take a lot of looking after, particularly mm. in the early stages. Even if, and even if you got a rescue dog, an older dog, which I think I probably would do. Um, to be perfectly honest, it's exactly what I would do, or I will do um, when when the time is right. When when I suppose when I'm less busy and uh, and travel less. They know when you're not feeling very well as well. I just know that. You know, you get a cold or something, or you feel bad, or you could, or even if you're a bit emotional about something, 
they, it's like they know they're there for you. They're right by your side in those circumstances. <laughs> they're adorable creatures. And they're just, um, that is, I think it's that unconditional love factor more than anything else that is, is, is so incredible about them. And the absolute devotion and loyalty to you. And that lovely face of the Labrador, Labrador oh, too. Face. I've got a picture of him over there. It's, uh, two pictures of him over there, actually. And um, it, it's one of those, a bit like the Mona Lisa, wherever you're in the room, it just looks like he's looking <laughs> at you. And you keep expecting him just to do that little head tilt thing every now and again. When, when you're on the sofa, was your lad on the sofa? Did he come up and cuddle you as well? Uh, yeah, he was allowed on the sofa. Yeah, yeah, he'd come up and nuzzle his head inside. Yeah, mm. or, or sit at the bottom of the sofa and just rest his head. Just oh. rest, rest his head either on the sofa or on your leg, on your knee. Oh, I'm just leaving. So cute. You're getting me all emotional now, Nicky. I'm missing him now. You're doing this to me. <laughs> yeah. Your tribute to Snoop is a, it's a proper measure of the, the joy that he, he brought to your life. And the love, and the love, you know, that's, you know, he did a lot. And, and I wish he was still here. Oh, man. Wasn't Gary amazing talking about Snoop? I mentioned this episode of One of the Family on Twitter and I asked listeners for any thoughts and experiences. A massive response, so thank you so much for that. And my wife Tina reads things out for a living, so we were sitting in the back garden having a couple of bottles of wine, sorry, having a couple of glasses of wine, and I asked if she would read a couple of these. And the first one is from Anna. I've lost three dogs in the last 20 years. Heartbreaking. I've cried more losing them than losing a parent. But animals only have us. We make them part of our family. It's been six weeks since we suddenly lost Lucy Lab. I miss her cuddles and antics so much. Still hurts to even think of her. God, I'm going to start crying. Our other Lab, rescue dog Mickey, seems lost without her. Can't even think of getting another dog but I know they are with my late mum, who adored them. Sad, isn't it? Uh, this is from uh, Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Right, dear Nikki. This subject is so close to my heart. Lottie came into our lives in 2005. She was the most gentle, loving, companionable girl ever. Roll on nine years, children had grown, husband left me, but my girl was my constant, my friend. Due to work reasons, I felt like I let her down, but her love was constant. Roll on a few more years, she sadly passed away. A few years further on, I met and married my new husband. And then a while later, we now have a puppy together. He's a joyful, loving boy, but he's not a Lottie replacement. He's a loving boy with his own spirit. Dogs are everything. Patricia. I got so many wonderful wise emails. Thank you. So that thing Gary said. I'd lost my parents in, in recent times and and the weird thing was that I felt kind of as upset with losing my dog and I felt a little bit guilty about that. Here's the psychologist Joe Hemmings. Should Gary feel guilty? No, absolutely not. I mean I don't think grief should be competitive. Uh, it's a different sort of grief. I mean, you'd never say that, God for you know, you lost both your parents, you wouldn't, perhaps you would grieve for one parent more than another. Perhaps you had a certain relationship with one that you didn't have with another. That's okay. It is not competitive um, and it doesn't mean anything. It's a very different sort of grief. And it's, 
much closer to the surface. I think, you know, grown men who don't cry out very much will cry when their dogs die. You know, people who are not criers, it's overwhelming and it's sometimes unfamiliar. That's the point. But there's also a sort of implicit stoicism, particularly perhaps for men more than women, that they need to be strong when a parent dies because there's other people they're responsible for. But with a dog, it, I think it is quite overwhelming. I don't think there is either that embedded stoicism that says you shouldn't either. And so it's not uncharted territory, but it's very unfamiliar. We turn into little boys and little girls again. And it's quite shocking from that perspective that you didn't necessarily expect to have felt that way, have never felt that way before, didn't feel that way for a member of your family. So that makes you feel guilt, I suppose. How could I have felt so much emotion? I didn't feel this when someone, a human being close to me died. But it's just the way they have of getting into your lives, um, teaching you such playfulness and responsibility and patience and kindness and listen to you it's just all those things and they are part of your family they're part of you actually other dog lovers understand that grief but you're right some people who don't particularly gel with animals they you know they just don't get it but it's a grief as powerful as any that's the point yeah and it's a grief that should be treated like any other grief so you know whatever works for you if it's having i don't know the the ashes scattered in your garden or photographs or memories the things that keep that dog really dear to you this is exactly the same way as it would be with any member of your family the first time children encounter death is often a pet that's i think it's 80 percent of children the first time they come across death is death of a pet so you know you're, you've got that almost cumulative grieving process and it's also something which is called disenfranchised grief people don't give you the same compassion or empathy um that they would if it was a close family member or friend um there are people thinking it's just a pet or you can get another one um and it's really hard to explain that that was one individual that yeah you might in due course get another dog but it won't be that dog They are totally dependent on us. And again and again, I've heard friends say, because of that emotional dependency and trust, taking them to the vet to die seems like a betrayal. Absolute betrayal. Yeah, that was the word I was going to use. It is, because most dogs are not that demanding. They're just so enthusiastic when you pet them feed them walk them they're just there's so much love there to give so you're getting a two-way process but ultimately if you stepped away from your dog it wouldn't be able to survive on its own so that dependability makes you a very significant person in their lives so when you then have to take that trusting animal to be put to sleep that just feels like the worst thing you can do they didn't deserve that, that they've always completely trusted your behavior with them. And it's, it's broken up on you. You've done something you could never imagine having to have to do. They're trustworthy, they're loving, they're kind, they're accepting, they're forgiving, all those things that 
humans don't really have in one package and they listen to us and there's this it's it's a difficult bond to explain but it's so odd you don't have you don't have human relationships like that joe hemmings psychologist right here is kirsty campbell my psychologist and her friends and me one of the family and look maxwell has just stuck his head over the table which we're sitting around and obviously thinks there may be some food. We'll be there when, when he goes, won't we, girls? Yeah. Oh. Mm. It'll be the worst day of our lives. I'm, I'm, scared scared for you. I'm scared for you when he dies. Why? I'm scared you're going to like not come out of your room. Do you know what I mean? You won't be able to cope with it. Um, yeah, that's all I want to say, really. And here is my friend and colleague, Nihal. Oh, Nikki, you know, we picked my daughter up from school and I knew that we were going to put Luna down that evening and trying to work out how, because look, you know, I, I've had a life without Luna, but my two children hadn't. She was 14 and a half, my daughter's 10, my son is 12. So they had never known a life without her. And um, I said, you know, she's, she's really not well. Um, and I remember my daughter just completely in denial. Yeah, but she's going to be okay, right? And I was like, well, um, no, she's not going to be okay. And, uh, and she just was really, really, um, yeah, it was just trying to explain to her. And then she said that she didn't want to be in the room. When, and I don't know, you know, if people will judge us or how they will believe this. What was wrong with uh, Luna? She's 14 and a half. Bloody good age. Yeah, she's Jeez. good innings. It was good innings. She had, she'd had seizures and she'd had them a year before. And we were told then it was touch and go. Um, but she, we got an extra year out of her. You know, we got an extra year out of her and we started giving her CBD oil. And that really helped with her joints as far as we could see. Um, she was also on the medication for her seizures they thought there could be something going on in her brain um, and asked, you know, we said, look, should we get MRIs done? Should we think about that? And they were like saying, well, it, you can if you want, but ultimately uh, their experience was that you've just got to see it out. And then, and then she was kind of okay for a year, Nikki. And then just in one night, she started having them again and they wouldn't stop. And, you know, that, that morning, I think we all knew, um, because we just kind of thought after she'd got over the original seizures in 2019, March, that she kind of got back to normal again. And with the CBD oil, you know, you'd come in through the door and her tail would be wagging and, you know, you'd be there and you'd be uh, rubbing her tummy. And, she, and she, she, didn't, she was much more lethargic. She didn't want to go on long walks anymore. She wanted to curl up and sleep most of the day. She slept with us every night next to the bed, in her own bed. And, um, and, and, and kind of we were getting back into a rhythm of just her being part of our life again. And then suddenly in one night, it just all flipped on its head. And, uh, and then I was faced with that thing of having to tell my, you know, my daughter to pick her up from school and kind of ease her into the fact that, um, that Luna wasn't going. And she just was like, no, you don't have to do this. You don't have to, you don't do, there's got to be another way. You can't, you don't have to do this. You don't, you don't have to do this. And then she was, you know, crying and, uh, uh, and we, um, yeah, and she didn't want to go in 
to the room where we put Luna down, but my son and uh, my son persuaded her actually and said, look, you need to see this. We need to say goodbye to her. We all need to be in the room. Uh, Did you get the vet to come to the house? No, no, we, no, we had to, um, we went to the, we went there. Oh, I tell you why. I tell you why. It's because my wife didn't want her to die here. She didn't want to look at a room in our house and see it as the room where our dog died. So she said, I want it. I want her to be there because ultimately my wife quite rightly and wisely said, she'll just be, she just the knowledge that we are around her will, will, is the most important thing, not the room. Um, and, you know, as the injection went into her uh, front left paw, um, we all had our hands on her, you know. Oh, God, it's making me upset. And uh, she was aware of you. That's the main thing. Yeah. She was aware of the fact that you were there because I would, I would have to be there. You owe it to your dog after all the love that they've given you to be oh. there at the end. Did she, did she look at you or was it just... Uh... She was her eyes. She was, look, you know, she'd been having seizures, so she was quite drugged up. She yeah, wasn't our yeah. dog anymore in the respect mm. of the personality mm. of our dog. She was uh, a shell, really. And we could have mm. kept pumping her full of drugs for a little while longer, but she would have just been a zombie, Nikki. You know, she wouldn't have been a pet she wouldn't have had a standard of life that um that she deserved you know that she deserved and we made that and the vet actually made that decision for us you know i guess we could have carried on we could have carried on paying for the drugs and uh and, and kept her alive but even the drugs as soon as the drug wore off she'd have another seizure and every time that seizure happens you know it's 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 violence it's violence visited upon her body by her own brain and she just shakes and her tongue comes out and there's all the drool and you know that's not how we wanted to remember our dog you know they're as you know with max with you know they're, they're 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 family members right it's a cliche that us pet owners always say us dog owners always say but they are it's true you know she was uh, a one dog evangelist for dogs so any of our friends who were terrified of dogs ended up not being terrified of dogs because of Luna. She was an ambassador. She was like the UN Secretary General of dogs. She was the peacemaker. She was the one that always met any human being with love. And after a little while, after two or three meetings, I mean, you're talking about people who, for reasons of culture and religion, had never been near dogs. You know, our friends who um, were Muslim and they could just, they loved Luna. They'd never been near a dog in their life. They did they'd always avoided dogs and not just, just, not just Muslims, just people who didn't like dogs. But Luna had this incredible ability, Nikki, to just make people fall in love with her because she was a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. So they have a reputation of sorts. They look quite fearsome, they're stocky. She just had this beautiful face. She looked like a seal pup more than a dog. And um, yeah. She, she converted people, yeah. That's amazing because for cultural reasons or religious reasons, I mean, there's a lot of strands of Islam that say, you know, dogs are unclean. Some of the, the, the scholars say that and a, a lot of people, very often it's what you say, it's a lack of having been in the proximity of dogs or understanding dogs. Yeah. I, I love that, the fact that you had Muslim friends and they saw Luna and they got it. 
Yes, they got it, and they and they love, and they weren't scared to have their children around. I mean, these are really close friends of ours, and uh, and they'd come around and go, "Hi, Luna," and Luna would just kind of jump up on them, and and they'd give her a stroke, and and they were all really, really sad too, you know, because a they understood how much she meant to us, but they also understood actually the value of her, you know, that it wasn't just a, a dirty animal. This was a member of our family. Uh, and like I said, it wasn't just Muslim people. She, she just managed to charm everybody who met her. It's brilliant. Away from theology. <laughs> so, so that happened. Not the first time the... you and I have had conversations about the <laughs> No, I didn't think it was going to take that turn. <laughs> so you had this amazing, beautiful dog who was one of the family, part of the family, treasured family member, which they are. And she went. And you did something really, really interesting. Less than an hour after Luna was put down, my wife said, we're not getting another dog for ages. I was adamant, even before Luna had passed, that we put her down, that we were, I wanted to get one as quickly as possible. And less than 24 hours after we put Luna down, my wife, Isha, just said, I can't be in this house without a dog. No, there's, there's, we, we just, it, this house is not a home without a dog in it. The love, the energy, the silliness that a dog brings into a home is something that, that I, I, you know, this sounds horribly patronising, but I feel quite sorry for people that don't have a dog in their home. Now, there's a lot of people who can't, for obvious reasons, have a dog in their home. But having had one and not had one, you know, it, there's just this void. You know, because every time you open the door, you know, your kids, they just walk past, hey, dad, go upstairs. This thing runs at you. His tail is wagging. Lyra's ears go back. And we didn't have that anymore. And, you know, it compounded our sadness, Nikki, the fact that there wasn't a dog in the house anymore. So we set about straight away, pretty much. And my wife, it gave her something to focus away mm. from the grief of losing Luna, because it's grief. I mean, let's not dress this up as anything other than grief. You know, I lost a parent, so I, and I know what grief me feels like, and it was grief, there's no question. Of course it is. You, like I, talk a lot to our Twitter followers. We have a lot of conversations with them. And, um, and there was that body of opinion. There was like, I waited six months, or I waited a year and it was too long. Um, we never got a dog again. We couldn't go through it again. But there was actually, I felt, an overwhelming thing saying we, we got a dog straight away. You know, we couldn't, which is not to betray Luna. You know, that was another thing we had to, had to wrestle with. You know, we didn't want to betray, we weren't replacing her. No, no, that's it. You know, we, we, mm. want, we just wanted to give love and be loved by another dog who will never replace Luna. Lyra won't, but then Lyra's her own dog and she's got her own personality. We're already seeing that her personality is pretty different to, uh, to Luna's. Um, so yeah, we got on it straight away, Nikki. How's it been for the kids, the transition? Um, just amazing, amazing. My, my son's quite stoic, so he's really only broke down once. Um, my daughter, who actually spent much more time with Luna, I mean, they were real buddies, you know, just like the Philip Pullman books, Luna was her demon, you know, who'd wander around behind her all the time. And, and they would just lie there for, for some time on the carpet, just looking into each other's eyes. I mean, they had a real kinship, um, 
Lyra, uh, sorry, Luna and my daughter. So it was just great. And she, you know, my, my daughter cannot walk past another dog. She just simply can't. It's impossible for her without her asking the owner, please, may I say hello to your dog? It is not. I'm the same. Yeah, right. I'm the same. Right. And Ricky Gervais is the same as well, I believe. Um, you know, you just, they go, she just can't do it. So to have a puppy, because she'd never had a puppy, right? You know, Luna was full grown by the time she, she was conscious enough. So to have a puppy is amazing. She's kissing this dog. She's, I mean, it's extraordinary. And it just, it soaks up, she, Lyra, soaks up the grief without you transferring the grief. So it's perfect. She's like a lighthouse guiding us safely towards somewhere that, you know, coming out of a very, very dark, horrible storm that we were in after we lost Luna. And Lyra has been that. She's been a lighthouse for us all. Maxwell's groan of ecstasy. Oh, my Maxwell. Long may his groans rumble. Thanks to Gary Lineker and Joe Hemmings and to Nihal, who on BBC Radio 5 Live is, for my money, the best radio interviewer in the business. Is it, how's his flatulence? Um, I'm glad you asked. Because Luna's, <laughs> right. Luna's was shocking. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's all right. He's okay. So occasionally, it's always but I don't know. I don't know if it's him or Tina. You know. <laughs> well, you're definitely not putting that bit out on the internet. It's all right. She won't hear it. She far prefers the podcast with Fig Lover and Jane Garvey. Thanks for listening to One of the Family.